Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenyuk, Dantonier scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, look at it, he's in the wall, waiting, scores! Well, let me see it. ladies and gentlemen, Akiyev, no, get up, yes! Oh, my stars, what a stop by Carey Price, Robin, Sidney Crosby! This is the Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 183 of the Habs 360 Podcast for this Saturday, October 22nd, 2016. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And well, the Canadians... They're off to a good start. Three games since uh, last week, since last episode, and they got a point in uh, every single game. They lost the Senators 4-3 to in shootout, and then they beat the Penguins 4 to nothing in the uh, season, in the, in the home season opener. And then on Thursday night, 5-2 winners over the Arizona Coyotes. The Canadians, they have a record of 3-0-1 after four games with uh, seven points. And that actually puts them first place in the Eastern Conference. So that leads to our question of the day, which is, should fans be excited about the start of the Montreal Canadian season? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can let us know via the uh, All Habs Facebook page. Joining us in about... Uh, 15 to 20 minutes time will be Douglas Gallivan from CBC Montreal, and he's going to join us to talk about the Montreal Canadiens uh, start of season. But joining me now, my co-host, he's editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow him on Twitter at All Habs. It's Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be back in the studio after being on uh, on the road last, uh, uh, joining you last weekend. Um, and uh, we've got lots of stuff to talk about that's happened already this week. For sure, we have lots to talk about, including uh, something that you saw uh, while covering the ice caps, but we're going to touch upon that in uh, later today's uh, episode. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on Hams 360. Well, you remember that intro. It's our Winners and Losers of the Week. So they are back here. At Tab 360 are the most, uh, the highest rated segment uh, that you'll find on the internet is the winners and losers of the week. So if it's your first time listening, I'll explain it quickly what the segment is. Every week, myself and Rick will going to each be selecting one winner and one loser, uh, as closely related to the Montreal Canadiens as uh, possible, and we'll be telling you why we think uh, a person is a winner or a, a loser. So, Canadians had a, a positive week. So, Rick, what do you think if we start off with the winners? Yeah, that's a great idea. So, why don't you go ahead first? Well, we're, um, I think we're going to cheat a bit this week. It's, given that it's the first week, we're going to cheat. I'm, I'm going to... Um, um, I'm going to I'm going to say that the Canadian skaters uh, are the winners of the week. And that's going to allow me to, to speak about more than one. Um, Cause there, there is, there was more than one this week. Um, let's start with Max Pacioretty, the captain um, for all the undeserved criticism he's received uh, in the preseason about his captain captaincy about um, silly things like not fighting all kinds of things. Um, on Tuesday night at the home opener, after he received the the torch from Jacques Demers in a very touching ceremony, he was he was absolutely the the best player on the ice. I realize that Montoya got the shutout, but 
uh, Max Pacioretty was the best player on the ice uh, for both teams uh, playing against the Stanley Cup champions. Um, he was terrific. Um, uh, let me also mention Alexei Emelin, who, again, another player who gets way too much criticism. Um, he's playing good hockey right now. Solid defense, thundering checks. Um, and we saw him even last game stepping in to protect um, the rookie, Sergachev, and when, when uh, Galchenyuk um, was uh, grappling with Ryan White. Um, Jeff Petrie, uh, who talked about him in the, in the, in the preseason? Um, a, a big impact on the lineup since his return from injury. Two goals, two assists. Um, he's looking great. Um, Alexander Radulov, a uh, great addition in the offseason. I, I don't – he's taken a couple of penalties, but I don't know if he's had a bad shift. He's been, he's been dynamic. Um, nothing um, – you know, none of the – immature, uh, you know, uh, characterizations can be attributed to him right now. He's playing great hockey. And Arturi Lekanen, who is, um, he's a legitimate top six forward. Uh, two goals. Uh, he has 13 shots on goal, uh, which is second only to Brendan Gallagher. Um, he looks like he's uh, a great fit for this lineup. Um, but my winner of the week is going to go to Shea Weber. Um, nobody. Uh, nobody was under a bigger, uh, more harsh spotlight um, than Shea Weber coming in. Um, and he has been superb, absolutely superb. Uh, a goal and three assists. The goal happened to be a power play goal. He's playing almost 27 minutes a game. The bone rattling hits, the, the leadership that he's shown. Um, Shea Weber has silenced um, all of all of uh, all but the, the the harshest critics he's been he's been absolutely superb um, so to summarize those are my this let's I focused on the skaters they are they are my winners of the week um, for for this week Alexander Radulov walking in hands it out for Placanis Weber's open Markov to Weber yeah, it was pretty awesome. Obviously, uh, it was an electric feeling here uh, from the get-go, and um, you know, it was a pretty special, uh, special night to be a part of. So there we heard the Shea Weber. Uh, his comment was following the game against the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins on the ovation that he received uh, during the uh, the players' presentation, and we also heard his uh, first goal as a Montreal Canadian, which was Thursday night against the Arizona Coyotes. So he's been exactly uh, how he was advertised when he came to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, physical, he kept things uh, simple. It was, and, well, you could, you could sense his presence. How many slap shots has he taken since the beginning of the season? Like so many. Like a lot of them missed the net, but the ones that were that hit the net, they were... Very dangerous scoring chances. The goal that he scored, so it's definitely he's been a great addition so far to uh, to the Canadian roster. If we go back and talk about the other players that you spoke about, Max Pacioretty during the off season uh, when Shea Weber was acquired, the talk started uh, whether or not Max should give his captaincy to uh, Shea Weber. I understand why people would think that way, but it's not something you could you could do strip somebody off the cap and give it to a new player. I don't think they, they, it's something that Canadians should have done. Then during the world cup of hockey, Tortorella was over, uh, made some comments over Max Pacioretty. We heard that story that uh, apparently Michel Terry said that uh, Max Pacioretty is the worst captain in, um, in history. And then after the torch, he scored a goal 23 uh, seconds into the game. So lots of pressure on Max Pacioretty this year. Last year, he got 30 goals. Uh, Habs fans, Canadians fans, are hoping that he gets at least 35, not 40 this year. And let's hear the coach, Michel Terrier, following the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins and his comments on uh, Max Pacioretty. Definitely, uh, he got a really, really good game. Uh, I believe our player feed uh, from Patch leadership tonight. And uh, what a start that he got. And 
and all game, you know, he was involved in, involved in the game. He did some great plays. Uh, he got a terrific hockey game tonight. And, well, Rick, you also spoke about Alexi Edmund, who scored his first goal uh, since uh, March 17. And, well, Rick, you probably remember that uh, here on Habs 360, I've criticized Edmund in, uh, in the past. I was one of those people that uh, think that Alexi Emelin, Canadians should uh, look for a new home for him. But the way that he's played so far, I think he's a per- he's he's playing awesome. He's been physical, uh, solid body checks, and while as I wasn't impressed uh, so far in the previous, uh, I would say especially last year, this season so far we seem like the Alexi Emelin that we would see other years. When the Canadians would face the uh, the Boston Bruins, so great start for uh, Alexi uh, Emelin as well. And then Rick, last year you mentioned Jeff Petrie, who's who's gotten two goals to assist. I think if you're looking in the conversation of who would be the Canadians' best defenseman so far, I think. It's either between uh, Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie, and I think I could personally be convinced that it's Jeff Petrie. Well, there, there's no question that he's um, he's played. He's uh, he's been he was under the radar given all the talk about the defense and and about um, who would be on the first pairing and and reducing Mark Osman. It seems that it seems that the narrative in in uh, preseason was about everybody else other than Jeff Petrie. Um, so very under the radar and he's come in and just, you know, quietly done exactly, um, you know, and, and I think part of it was that, that when he went out of the lineup, Jeff Petrie was under, underperforming uh, as, as many Canadians were uh, last season. Um, so he's back to the Jeff Petrie that the Canadians thought he was when, when uh, he was acquired and, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't put him above Weber, but, but I can understand uh, why you're, why you're making that argument. And, and well, let's talk about now who my winners of the week are, and I'm going to cheat as well too, right? I, I'm not just Rick's going to cheat. I'm not going to let him get away with it. <laughs> so I'm going to cheat as well, and I'm going to say that the winners of the Canadians this week, uh, my winners are the Montreal Canadiens goaltenders, and that goes. Let's start off first with uh, Carey Price, who was back on Thursday night against the Arizona Coyotes after all this uh, criticism of potential um, a conspiracy theory that, you know, maybe he, was, he wasn't he was sick, maybe he was injured. Well, on Thursday night against the Arizona Coyotes, he made 27 saves, and he looked like the Carey Price that we know. And tonight against the Boston Bruins, we're going to see him in action uh, once again. And Carey Price this week even mentioned, and I think you could tell if you want to see the pictures that he lost uh, eight pounds. Rick, Carey Price, did he look normal to you on Thursday? Yeah, it's funny because um, I've, I've heard some people say he looked, he looked rusty. I, I don't, I don't think he looked rusty at all. And, and how could he be rusty after um, the dominating performance we saw him in the world cup of hockey? He was, he was just, outstanding and back to himself now is he you know has he lost some weight is he a little weaker uh, you know sure um but but a, a 95 percent uh, or whatever the percentage is carry price is um is much better than most goalies out there and and carry said himself that he he wasn't going to come back if he was uh, you know too far away from 100 percent um i i you know he he was he was absolutely um, um, as as good as he he always has been, um, and it was yeah I I I thought he looked great. That was awesome. I, I've been part of a couple, and that that was probably one of the more special ones. This crowd really outdid themselves. It, it just hats off to them, and it really fired up the team, ready to go. I think it might have fired up the other team too. Well, and that's uh, Al Montoya following Tuesday night's home opener against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, well, we have to certainly call Al Montoya a winner because he's done a job so far. Two wins, zero losses, and uh, one loss in shootout. 
130 goals against average and a 962 save percentage. And we've seen across the league for the start of the season, there's been lots of scoring, but not not a lot against Al Montoya. So he's been great. He In that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, he made 36 saves in a 4 nothing shutout, and he was named the first star. And in the game against Senators, uh, he made 35 stops. He did his job. He looked confident. And Rick, he allowed Carey Price to take his time uh, before returning. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, he's you know he, he's he's never going to be confused with Carey Price. Uh, he's a bit unconventional. He, he doesn't he doesn't look pretty um, when he's making the saves. Um, doesn't play the puck that well. Um, however, um, as you said, being very confident, he's very calm back there in, in that respect. He, he's uh, Carey Price-esque. Um, and the biggest thing is certainly the contrast between Montoya and Condon of, of uh, last season is that uh, Montoya doesn't allow rebounds. Um, again, like Carey Price, he, he doesn't, he's not giving up bad rebounds that are causing extra scoring chances and putting extra uh, pressure on, on the defense. Um, you know, he's come into this very, uh, you know, his, un, his interviews to the clip you played very unassuming. Um, I thought it was interesting that, that, um, you know, someone asked if he, if this was an audition for him for you know, the expansion t- for being the starter on the expansion team next year. And he said his whole career, he's been auditioning, which, which kind of gives me the sense that he's in his own mind thought that he's uh, a bit better than he's been given credit for, That he's, you know, he, he, he may have um, deserve a, a look at a, a starting role somewhere. Um, so as if it was, it speaks to that confidence that he has. Uh, I thought it was a very important kind of point of who he sees and what kind of goaltender he sees himself to be. And that that confidence spreads to to the team, and and they played they played pretty well in front of him, seeing how calm he was back. And well, we're not going to stop it there when it comes to Montreal Canadiens goaltending. We're going to take it down to the AHL, where Charlie Lindgren, who was backing up Al Montoya for most of uh, this week, he got sent down to uh, St. John's to join the Ice Caps, and then last night. He had a great performance in goal, 50 saves as he allowed the St. John Ice Caps to get their first win of the season. The Ice Caps are now 1-3. and three. We're going to talk more about the Ice Caps uh, later on today's uh, show. Uh, but 50 saves to make uh, to give the St. John's Ice Caps a 4-1 win. So well-deserved uh, for... The St. John, sorry, for Charlie Lindgren to be named, and also all of the entire Montreal named goaltenders to be named are winners of the week. Uh, let's move on. We, we have a, a couple of losers <laughs> to mention, and mine's, we're going to go back. It's related to the Carey Price injury, and it started off last, on, on Tuesday, I should say, when uh, in the intermission, in the game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins on TVA Sports, where Michel Bergeron and Jose Theodore both took shots to carry Price. And Theodore actually, in his column in the Journal de Montréal the following day, uh, wrote the same thing as well. And just the gist of it, their comments were, if Patrick Roy or a great goaltender like Patrick Roy or Martin Brodeur had the flu, they'd be playing. They wouldn't sit out all this time. So basically what they're ensuing is that, you know, that maybe Carey Price isn't, um, I don't know, a superstar and elite goaltender. And my thoughts to that is, like, why are you going there? And especially from all all people, Michel Bergeron, I think he's already known to say things like this to get reaction. And Jose Theodore... I don't know, didn't he miss a couple of games for, like, uh, non-hockey-related issues? So what was the point of them taking those shots to carry Price? And I think we clearly saw it, even just from the fact from losing eight pounds, Canadians were doing well, we were winning, Almontoy was doing great in net. What was the point of rushing carry Price to come back? If the Canadians would have had a bad start, then maybe carry Price, they would have led him to go back and go. And 
and we don't know if Carey Price was the one who was making decisions not uh, to start. So for that, I'm naming Michel Bergeron and Jose Theodore. I guess I'm cheating again as my losers of the week. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Chris. Uh, I, you know, Jose Theodore, seems there seems to be some jealousy uh, towards Carey Price. He was critical of him during his um, award-winning season. Um, and, and Michelle, well, both of them, they've lost my respect and, and I, I pay no attention to them. Um, my loser of the week, I couldn't find one on the Montreal Canadiens roster. Couldn't find one. Um, so I had to go to major league baseball and my loser of the week is major league baseball because they said no to Ricky Vaughn throwing out the first pitch in the world series. Now who's Ricky Vaughn? You might remember the, the, um, uh, movie, uh, major league, uh, actor Charlie Sheen uh, played this this character Ricky the Wild Thing Vaughn, um, and Charlie Sheen offered to throw out the first pitch during the World Series um, in character as Ricky Vaughn. Um, I, I would have watched for that reason alone. Um, there was huge support on social media, uh, but Major League Baseball said no, so they get my loser of the week. And there you go. So those our winners and our losers for the first week back for the segment. We cheated a bit this week, but uh, don't worry, it's all good and fun. If you have any your suggestions for winners or losers, you know you can let us know via Twitter at Hats360, and we'll uh, read them on later on uh, today's episode. But like you said, Rick, it's, it was really tough like, to find a loser of the week. And, you know, even somebody like the Agne or Terrier, I don't think they were at, at this point, this stage, where we could call them uh, so far losers. Well, you got to give me credit for not throwing them in there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my way to say it. All right, so still to come on the Hats 360 podcast, our question of the week, should Hats fans be excited for the Canadians' start of the season? Let us know via Twitter, at Hats360, and you can let us know on the All Hats Facebook page. But coming up next, Douglas Gellivan from CBC Montreal will join us. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jersey, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 183 of the Habs 360 podcast for the Saturday, October 22nd, 2016. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. 
along with uh, Rick Stevens, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow him on Twitter or any social media site by just searching uh, All Habs. Joining us down the line, you can catch him in the evenings on the CBC Montreal Doing the Sports. His Twitter handle is DGelevin. Douglas, Gelevin is on the line. Hi, Doug. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, so, Doug, the question we're asking our followers on Twitter and our listeners is, well, should the Canadians be excited for the start of the season that they've had so far? <laughs> Uh, absolutely. I think, um, this is about as good as you could ask for. I mean, we saw what happened last year after a good start, so you don't want to get too, too far ahead of yourselves, but there's a lot of good signs here. And, uh, you know, Bergevin spoke about it a lot in the off season, how much better the team improved just with having, uh, Carey Price healthy and back with the team. And, uh, I think we're inching towards that. You know, he wasn't, maybe needed so much in that 5-2 victory over Arizona the other night. But uh, tonight will be a great test for him against Boston. It'll be a great test for the team against Boston, I think, as well on the road. You know, their victories aren't really jumping off the page right now. You know, they beat a Buffalo team that's probably not going to make it into the playoffs. They beat, uh, They lost to Ottawa, who, you know, might be a borderline playoff team this year. They beat Pittsburgh, but without Sidney Crosby, is that the real Pittsburgh Penguins? I don't think so. So uh, a version of the Stanley Cup champions went down, and then you have a game against the Arizona Coyotes, a team with just a lot of youth whose best player is uh, 40-year-old Shane Doan, who's trying to lead those uh, youngsters. I believe they have seven guys who are 21 or under on that team. So you, you don't have any of these sort of uh, marquee victories for the team, but you we like the old saying in sports goes, you can only beat the teams that are on your schedule in front of you. And Habs have done what they needed to do so far. And those two home wins were quite impressive. I mean, yes, it didn't, uh, you weren't playing against Sidney Crosby, but uh, I've seen them come out in home openers before. I want to remember one against Calgary a number of years ago where they just looked flat after those ceremonies and uh, boy, did they have a lot of jump in their step after that ceremony. There, there seems to be a different feeling uh, in the dressing room uh, with this team right now, at least. And I think Max Pacioretty, uh, a guy who took a lot of mud over the offseason for uh, his leadership ability. And then, of course, that whole uh, rumor about Terrian saying uh, that he was the worst captain uh, in team history brought up a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe had anything to say against Max Pacioretty. They started coming out of the woodwork. Uh, it sort of allowed them to do that. But uh, he's been one of the more highlight parts of this team right now as far as him stepping up. He's mingling it up in scrums. It looks like he wants to be there. I mean, the emotion on his face when he got the torch from Jacques Demers was uh, just classic, and then he comes out and scores a goal 23 seconds later. I, you know, if you're questioning a guy's leadership and his ability to kind of uh, pull the room, uh, he's given us a number of examples already early in this season that he's a committed guy and he's ready to pull this team uh, back in the right direction. Uh, I, I thought a lot of the uh, criticism over him for his first year was a little premature. I wrote earlier this week that uh, – uh, trying to judge Pacioretty on just one year as captaincy is like throwing George Lazenby into the who is the best James Bond debate out there. And uh, you can't really do that if you ask me, because the guy only made one movie and the script wasn't any good, right? So you never know if he was put out there in another movie, if it would have been a different situation. And I kind of liken that to how Pacioretty has to deal with this now. He got a, he got a bad script last year. It, uh, it didn't go in his favor. So let's see what he does. Uh, with a good script and uh, some good producers, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see where he goes from there. Hey Douglas, it's uh, Rick Stevens. Uh, great to have you back again. Um, Thanks, Rick. I, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be that guy who raises the uh, Subban Weber uh, trade. And, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to blame you halfway because uh, you wrote this week, and I thought it was uh-huh. brilliant. Um, you said that that uh, the trade has left a yawning chasm, chasm of divided opinion in the, in the Habs fan base. Um, there's, there's, there's some that are, are doing these mental or these numerical gymnastics to discredit Weber. There's 
fans mm-hmm. taking out ads. What's with all the drama? What's going on in Montreal? Is this is this hockey or a soap opera? Uh, it's more soap opera than it is hockey. Like I said in that uh, article, there's two different types of fans that I keep running into. It's uh, the fans that are the Habs are dead to me now. I only watch hockey because it's entertaining. And yes, Weber might make this team a little bit better, but I go for the entertainment value. And if Weber's not going to be the guy to put the Habs over the top and win the Stanley Cup, why am I going to go spend my money uh, to go down there? And then you have the other side, which is the people who sort of see themselves as a, a bit more enlightened in the level of business around hockey. And they're saying, that uh, this is just a hockey deal, it's a business deal, it's a one-for-one trade, and the Montreal Canadiens are better off for it, at least on the ice right now. But you, you can't really discount uh, what Subban meant to this community. I mean, I run into a lot of people who tell me they weren't even hockey fans before P.K. Subban came around, and they're Subban fans before they are Montreal Canadiens fans. So for them, uh, these are the people who you kind of were bringing into the big tent of fandom for this team to, to do this to a player for a, a strictly business reason or a hockey reason doesn't necessarily uh, jive with them. And I can understand the argument that they're making. You know, if, if they honestly don't believe, if they believed that Weber was the difference between winning a Stanley Cup and losing uh, or not winning a Stanley Cup, there'd be a lot more people on board uh, with the Subban trade, but a lot of them are wondering, you know, if I go to the Bell Center, Subban used to, when he touched the puck, it was almost like electricity flew across the ice, up into the stands, into your television sets, and shot you right in the eyes. Like, you couldn't miss him when he was on the ice. Weber doesn't play that kind of uh, exciting game in the same way, just from the eyeball test. And you can go with the numbers, and I've seen that website now that uh, compares the two guys, and there's all that stuff that's out there. Uh, But the bottom line is the eyeball test. And for a lot of the casual fan, the one who doesn't have any idea what Corsi means or uh, what advanced analytics even are the most upset with this, and and especially those new fans as well. So uh, I can understand both sides of it, uh, but I do also have to say for a point for Shea Weber, when he hit that slap shot on uh, Thursday night, that was pretty darn exciting. You know, it Mm -hmm. it comes in flashes with him. It's a a hit here. It's a big boom and slot shot there, but it's not every time he touches the puck like Subban did. So, um, and it's just an eyeball test. You can, you can go through the numbers, but that's a lot where the difference between a lot of fans and uh, hockey aficionados lie. You know, there are people who are really, you know, into you know, who's on the fourth line of this team, who's in the uh, uh, farm system for this team, who's coming up. And then there are the fans who just kind of tune in on Saturday nights and the playoffs and be entertained and Subban is a guy who did that for them on a regular basis for, what, seven years since he was with this team. So for them, I can understand why they're upset and uh, maybe feigning interest or uh, saying that uh, they're not going to be watching hockey anymore. We'll see how things go because sometimes the hype of the team uh, in certain points of the season will overcome that, and it's not like they don't have uh, stars on this team. Carey Price is still... Uh, the best goaltender in the world and, and, and a huge draw and uh, someone that uh, the casual fan can really uh, latch on to. But, uh, but losing Subban really did hurt the fan base, uh, I think. Um, and it's not going to be something that the people who are upset about it are going to get over uh, very, very quickly. And I don't think you should have to ask them to do that. You know, it, it, it kind of comes down to one of those arguments in a relationship. If someone's just saying like, oh, just get over it, get over it. How well does that go over when you have a fight in a relationship with someone? It never goes over well when that's the kind of tone that you take with people. And hockey's an emotional game and people come for entertainment reasons. And uh, if you're going to just discredit them by saying get over it's a hockey deal, that's not going to get us anywhere. So uh, that's uh, kind of where I see this trade uh, hashing out right now. But I do believe 
I mean, I, you've probably heard this line before, but uh, in the next two years, uh, this is a pretty good move for the Habs as far as getting Shea Weber in his 31 years old, 32 years old, 33 years old. It's where the deal looked 10 years down the line or five years down the line when Subban's kind of rolling into his prime and Weber is rolling out of his prime is where this one might bite the butt of the Habs. But at the same time, I understand why you'd want to take that win now uh, mentality with this team. And I don't think they're kind of completely sold out to win now at this point yet, but you can see them moving in that direction with this Weber trade. You've got a goaltender in Carey Price who's in the prime of his career right now, and you're going to want to make every single effort to win now with a player like that. Are they at that point just yet with the players that they have uh, on the roster? I don't think so, but you know maybe a, a piece here, a piece there, and another couple big shots shocking moves could throw this team into that conversation. And uh, when you have a player like Carey Price, you have to make those efforts uh, to win it now because the saddest thing that would ever happen would be sort of a conservative approach that uh, just saw Carey Price burn out the best of his years uh, behind a team that wasn't going to have any real legitimate shot of getting over the top and winning the Stanley Cup. Right. Uh, 18-year-old Mikhail Sergachev, he's played three games for the Canadians so far. Uh, tonight, he's expected to be out of the lineup and Craig Pattern coming in. Uh, do we see Sergachev playing, do you see Sergachev playing the entire season or is he going to head back to Windsor before we know it? Well, he's exciting, isn't he? And I, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure uh, what the team is going to decide. I'd like to see him stay. I mean, I've seen him play over these, these three games. That, I mean, watching him in the preseason is one thing. But in Buffalo, he didn't look that great. And then he took the night off in Ottawa. The home opener, he looked better. I mean, he didn't play much of that third period, but Tarion did go out and say that uh, that didn't have much to do about his play. It had more to do with the fact that there was just a heap load of penalties that uh, were happening at that point. And then he did look like he was just gaining confidence with every single shift that he was getting in that Arizona game, you know, jumping up into the play a little bit, uh, using that long reach that he has. I think he's a guy who's just going to continue to improve. And then if you look at the alternatives as replacements for him, do those guys really get you excited as, you know, sixth defenseman on this team? I mean, what is really the upside for a Greg Patteron or a Mark Barbario? or Zach Redmond. I mean, these guys are roster players. They might be solid defensemen, but are they the kind of guys, again, when we're talking about entertainment versus the business aspect, is Sergachev better on the entertainment side than these guys? Is this something that you're going to want to give the people to watch? And I'm a person who likes being entertained a little bit, and I think Sergachev and watching his progression this year would be a lot of fun to watch. That being said, we know this organization, we know the kind of approach that they take, and we also know that defensemen generally take longer to become steady, reliable NHLers than forwards do. A defenseman cracking into the league at 18 is extremely rare. Any 18-year-old is rare, so it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they do send him back to junior for one more year, Um, but he looks like he can play at the NHL level. We'll see if the Montreal Canadiens are conservative or if they want to take a risk with this kid and keep him up because what's coming up behind him doesn't exactly get my uh, hair raised on my arm very much uh, for this team. But Sergachev, the ceiling, as you like to say, and I know that word potential is a very dangerous one, but the ceiling for this kid looks very, very high. And you just have to worry about what his development is going to be. Is his development going to be better served in junior or is it going to be better served playing in the NHL? I think that if you get put into a situation where everybody is playing above you, you're going to play up to that level. And that's what I think. If you put him down in junior, I don't know. Maybe he can work on some of those skills, those individual skills. But as far as fitting into the team concept and growing into an NHLer, maybe it's better for him to stay up this year. I'd like to see that. We'll see what the team decides after the ninth game. I think that's the key is what's, what's the best move for his development. Exactly. Um, listen, there's been, uh, we've talked about lots of changes uh, to the roster in the off season, kind of an under, under the radar, given all the, the, the news about the other um, um, 
adds to the the lineup was was kind of mm-hmm. the acquisition of Kirk Kirk Muller. Um, yes. And and as an associate coach, not a, an assistant coach. So, uh, and 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 let's let's just uh, acknowledge that he's going to improve the power play. But beyond the power play, can you speak to his influence on on the team on the locker room on even uh, Michelle Terrian. Well, you know, he's always been known as a player's coach and a guy who really does get along with the players and the fans take to him too. I mean, did you hear that rousing applause that he got in the opening game? That was, uh, that was really impressive. Um, But, you know, when you have uh, an assistant coach, like that's generally the role of an assistant coach on the team is to be the buddy, buddy guy uh, with the players. If you're, if you're looking at, uh, a coaching structure you need kind of the good cop bad cop scenario you know and uh Kirk Muller plays the good cop really really well and he's a guy who the players respect uh, to the ends the fans respect uh to the ends and it's interesting that associate coach title that he got um Tarion was even saying at uh, the golf tournament that he's having trouble uh, spitting that term out because it's right. a new one for him uh, he's not used to having someone sort of not necessarily on his level, but close to his level uh, there. So uh, I don't know if it does. Well, it's, it's, it's a great thing for the players. For Terry, and you have to think it feels like there's a guy breathing right down your neck right now. They have a succession plan in place if anything goes wrong at this point. And you know he's on thin ice, despite the fact that Bergevin put his entire lot behind him uh, last year, because another repeat or a slump of last, like any sort of similar situation to what happened last year, and you know, uh, Tarion's the last uh, piece of armor that Bergevin has up protecting himself, so uh, it, it's kind of, I, I don't know if that motivates Bergevin or uh, Tarion to, uh, to change his ways a little bit, uh, but in any case, it makes it a lot more interesting. The dynamic has completely changed in that sense, and you have to like it from the player side of things to have that guy. I don't think they had that uh, on the team in past years with the assistant coaches that they had as far as the, the, those guys might have been you know, there for the players, but not in the same way that Kirk Muller is. He's a guy who can, uh, you know, if you're thinking about sitting down and having a beer with somebody, Kirk Muller would probably be a really good one to do it with. All right, Sports Anchor on CBC Montreal, columnist on uh, CBC Home Run on 88.5 FM, Douglas Galvin. Thanks for joining us, Doug. Thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, love the show. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you very much. All right, so Douglas Galvin from CBC Montreal joining us here on the Habs 360 podcast. Coming up next, we're going to ask you, our listeners and our followers on Twitter, should Habs fans be excited for the Canadian start of the season? Let us know via Twitter at Habs360, or you can leave a comment on the All Habs Facebook page. And you know what? Why not give us a call? Toll free number anywhere in North America, one 877 455 4945 Stay with us. This is the Habs360 Podcast, featuring For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 Podcast and Anthony from R2Canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 podcast and follow Habs360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Habs360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. 
In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a rocket power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. It is episode 183 of the Habs 360 podcast for the Saturday, October 22nd, 2016. My name is Chris G. at Chris G. McNady, along with Rick Stevens. 1-877-455-4945 is the toll-free number to reach us to talk about the Montreal Canadiens, or in particular, our question of the week, which is, should Habs fans, so that includes, you know, your listeners, us, should we be excited about the Canadians at the start of the season? We heard what uh, Douglas Gallivan said in the second segment on uh, that topic. And well, I'm going to I'm going to agree in the sense that there is lots of positives surrounding the Canadians. So one thing for sure is they're going to do better than last year. We shouldn't go overboard on the optimism. We saw what happened last year when uh, when we did get optimistic. Things went crashing and burning, I think, is just a polite way to say it, of what happened uh, last season. Teams, the team seems to be more balanced. We're getting scoring so far, at least to uh, from the four first from all four lines. The Canadians are getting scoring. They're playing solid defensively. Both goals have played well uh, so far, so it's definitely a more balanced team. But definitely, I think there should be excitement compared to last season. It is positive, a positive changes that were done as well during the off season for the Montreal Canadiens. Rick, what are your thoughts? No, I think I think you're right. It's um, careful not to get uh, too far ahead. Um, uh, the Canadians had a had a decent team, um, a much better team than than the the standings would say uh, last year. Um, you know they're cruising along, not just with that nine and zero um, start, but right to the end of November, uh, they're cruising along, and um, and then you know some panic by by uh, Tarion in the month of December and just well the, the worst December in franchise history just crushed the the team so so let's keep everything into perspective um, and uh, and and take the wins as as positive uh, but uh, but not start making any bold predictions just yet and uh, let's see what some of our followers on Twitter have to say uh, on this topic first. One comes from Ron Mexico. He writes, Terry will lose the room sooner or later and start blaming benching players again, likely Patches and Marky, and it will derail. So thanks for the tweet, Ron. And Rick was pretty positive show until uh, this tweet came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a few of those tweets. Um, I see Eugene Skinner on Twitter. Gino1102 says, uh, don't get too excited. Not going to win a cup with Placanitz, Dernay, Byron, Flynn in the lineup. All four need to go as soon as possible. Habs better address the lack of toughness on this team. Weber was not brought in to fight. So thanks for the tweet. And, and maybe I just have a quick question that uh, that just came up now from uh, from that tweet. We've seen Rick Daniel Carr. I think he had a good uh, preseason. He had a good start of the season. And, well, he was pulled out of the lineup a couple of games ago to make room for uh, Brian Flynn. I don't know, what do you think of that move? And what do you think Carr has to do to get back into the lineup? Well, I I, I don't know if Carr has to do um, anything. He was playing well when he was there. Um, Michelle Therrien's uh, reason 
for uh, bringing Flynn back in was um, that that they needed faceoff help. That they were which which they were they they were they were terrible in 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 faceoffs in the first couple of games and and so we needed Flynn back in to take faceoffs. Then the the game that he he goes in he doesn't take I I think he had five faceoffs uh, and one two. Um, he doesn't make any impact in the faceoff circle at all. So, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't trust Terry in, in his reasoning. Uh, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily logical as far as what Carr was doing and wasn't doing. It's just Terry's favorites who he trusts. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's same old Terry sort of thing. Uh, next week comes from uh, Craig72 from Halifax, Nova Scotia. He writes, cautiously optimistic, one game at a time. On that note, I hope to destroy the Bruins tonight. Hashtag Habs, hashtag, hashtag go Habs, go. And well, one thing that we know from the Boston Bruins side is that Tuka Rask is not playing in goal tonight, so that might be a advantage Bruins, I guess, because he has not success. That's right. <laughs> next week comes from uh, Blaine. He writes, fans uh, should should at least be optimistic. Despite not playing the best, they have shown they can win. So thank you for the tweet, Blaine. And well, at the same time, if we're looking at the quality of the opponents, Buffalo Sabres, uh, when you face them, the quality, you know, not the best team in the uh, NHL. And same thing when it came to the Arizona Coyotes on uh, Thursday night, not the best thing. But on the other hand, Pittsburgh Penguins, defending Stanley Cup champions, can have had an easy time with uh, with them. So thank you for the tweet. You can still reach us, 1-877-455-4945 is the way to reach us. Next tweet comes from David Marshall in from Lothic, Connecticut. He writes, I haven't forgotten about last season, how it started and how it ended up. So another cautiously optimistic uh, Canadian fan. Uh, the next tweet comes from David Olinger in uh, Grand Prairie, Alberta. He writes, I would say optimistic. Last two games were sound. First two just averaged through though three full. I'll start that all over. I would say optimistic. Last two games were sound. First two just average, though they got three out of four points. New players contributing, prices back. So thank you very much for the tweet, uh, David. And you touched upon it earlier as well, Rick. Last season, Jeff Petrie missed a, a good chunk of the season because of injury, and so did Brendan Gallagher. So they're technically they're not new players for the Canadians, but then being back in the lineup, it's like they've acquired new players. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, Carey Price, uh, Brendan Gallagher, uh, Jeff Petrie, um, all were were out with with injury. Um, so uh, a healthy squad, and and if they can they can keep that way, um, and maybe a little bit more depth uh, this year uh, than they had uh, last year in 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 capable replacements standing by to come in, whether it's Daniel Carr, whether it's Mike McCarron up from the um, the ice caps, um, you know, I, I think it's, a uh, Mark Barbario's down there. It's, it's a different season, um, uh, this year with, with a bit more depth. So thank you very much everybody for your tweets. Keep them coming. At Hab360 is the way to reach us on Twitter. You can go to the all Habs Facebook page or you can call us at toll free at one 4945 this edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right, so we spoke about uh, Rick Curry, about uh, Charlie Lindgren, who was who's with the Ice Caps, and 50 safe performance for the Ice Caps as they beat the uh, Providence Bruins by a score of 4-1. to one. And he gave the Ice Caps the first win of the season. So I guess so far, has he been what you think uh, the bright spot of uh, the Ice Caps season so far? Yeah, most certainly. Um, the Ice Caps um, on a, 
extended uh, road trip, the six games uh, on the road to start the season over, over two weekends. Um, and, and both weekends, they have three games and three nights. That's, that's really tough. Uh, the um, ice caps have that six times over the season. So, um, you know, we ask Sylvain Lefebvre, um, you know, is it, is it tough to start the season three games and three nights? And his response was, well, uh, you know, one, one down, fewer to do over the season. Um, but the, uh, the ice caps were winless uh, last weekend in their first three games. Um, even though it, it, it could be said that, um, you know, Zach Fucali had a, had a rough first game. Um, Brian Pitten was up from uh, Brampton uh, in goal for uh, game two with Charlie Lindgren in Montreal. Uh, had a rough start. Uh, but but uh, Zach Fucali played pretty well in the game against Providence on last Sunday. Um, uh, was named a star, but uh, in in a losing role. Um, but uh, Zach, uh, but um, the the Ice Caps were completely outplayed last night. Providence Bruins 51 shots, and um, and playing against uh, a Subban in the in the Bruins goal and he got yanked after the third goal. Um, so, you know, it was Charlie Lindgren was just lights out last night, 51 uh, shots, 50 saves and gave the, uh, the ice caps their, their first win of the season that, that puts them, they're still on the bottom of the North division um, with one win, three losses. Um, they have two, <laughs> excuse me, two more uh, games this um uh, this uh, this weekend, so uh, let's hope that they can uh, move their way up the ladder a little bit, um, and um, in finishing their road trip. And speaking about the goaltending uh, on Monday, at least to me, it sounds like a bizarre move. Uh, the Ice Caps announced that they signed Yan Dani. That's right, that old 35-year-old Yan Dani, who used to be a former Montreal Canadian. They signed him to a one-year AHL contract. So if you're looking at it now, there's Lindgren, there's Fukali, and there's Yandani with uh, the Ice Caps. So, Rick, I'm really confused about this deal. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on it? It's really odd. I, I, I think I said uh, exactly those words on on Twitter. Um, Yandani, now, um, to give him his due... Um, he was good enough to be at the AHL All-Star Game uh, last season. We met him there. He's a delightful person. He was there with his entire family, and and they're delightful. Um, and um, you know, he can. He I think he can be a a very solid mentor for someone. But who is that? Is it Lindgren? Is it Fukali? Um, and whichever one it isn't, who gets who gets put where? Um, would they dare send Zach Fukali um, to the Brampton Beast? I, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's the best move for 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 Zach. He he had a rough season last year, but um, no one, uh, you know, there was there was the the Carey Price um, injury, so Condon um, got placed into a role he didn't uh, expect and, and correspondingly Zach Bucali played over 40 games last year. No one expected him to do that in his first pro season, had a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, in, for, for Fukali, it's, he's got all the, all the athleticism is there. It's just between the years. He's a very emotional uh, young man and he, he sometimes gets two up or two down and, and I don't know if he's best served by, um, by going to the, the ECHL, but how, how can you send Charlie Lindgren there to the Brampton beast? He's been terrific. Not only last night, um, he was, he was great in the rookie tournament. He was great in the Canadians main camp. Um, it's just a bizarre situation. That's why, you know, when that signing was made, everybody was skeptical about the, um, you know, whether Carey Price was going to be able to come back. Because uh, it seemed like Charlie Lindgren was going to be up with the Canadians for an extended period of time, it didn't turn out that way. Um, so we don't know. We don't know at this point. We don't know. I expect that um, Dunny, uh, Lindgren, and Fukali will each get a start um, this this weekend, given that it's a 
you know, it's uh, three games and three nights. And then I expect uh, whatever decision is coming will be made uh, sometime during the week. And uh, also last week, uh, like you mentioned, you were uh, on the road covering the Ice Caps, part of the Rocket Sports team. And while there was an incident following the conclusion of one game where Michael McCarron ended up getting suspended uh, three games, or was it two games? Two games. Two games from uh, the AHL for headbutting incident. So, can you maybe, is there any context, Rick, that you think we should know that how this incident happened? Well, let's let's provide a bit of context in that Mike McCarron was dominant in the rookie tournament. He was named captain and he was dominant both ends of the ice. You know, the, the Canadians asked him to work on some things over the summer. Uh, he did change his diet, lost, um, lost some weight, got quicker, uh, improved his foot speed. Um, so he did what he was supposed to do. He did what he was supposed to do at the rookie camp and dominated. Uh, came into training camp, was, was, had a great camp, uh, looked good, beat out a number of players, and was still sent down to, to the ice caps. Um, so, I mean, he said when we interviewed him, all the right things. But you can't help wonder if he was frustrated by, you know, doing everything he was asked to and still getting sent to the ice caps. Then you go three games and three nights. Then you lose all three of those games. And it was the, at the end of the third game in Providence um, where they were, they were, uh, you know, goalie pulled, they were struggling. Um, McCarron had a chance right at the, at the buzzer. Um, uh, couldn't tie the game up and Houdon, who was parked to the, to the right of the net just got hammered into the, into the back of the boards at the end of the game. Um, he went to his knees. His helmet was ripped off. Uh, McCarron went in to, to assist. Um, and Bruins winger, uh, undrafted, you know, the, you know, the type, the thug, Justin Hickman, typical Bruin, comes in and wants to fight um, McCarron. McCarron, the, the referee, was, was standing right there. Um, McCarron looks over at the referee and, and, and says something to him, which essentially was, the game's over. I, I, don't, I don't need to fight here. Referee does nothing. Linesmen don't step in. And Justin Hickman just starts raining blows. I, and uh, McCarron just turned away for about 10 or 12 of those blows. And then that was it. He had had enough. Uh, nobody was arriving to break it up. And McCarron just engaged in the fight. He fought back. Um, it was at that point that the a linesman and a referee decided to get involved. And just at the end of that, um, McCarron uh, gave the head, but broke uh, Hickman's nose um, and was suspended two games. Absolutely deserved the suspension, but um, there was no reason for this to happen. There was no reason really, there was no hockey reason for McCarron to be sent down. There was no reason for the, the ref not, or the linesmen, the officials not to get in and break this up before it started. Just very unfortunate and uh, very unfortunate that, yeah, m- most fans aren't going to see the context. They're just going to hear about McCarron being suspended for two games. And, um, yeah, and, and, and he really, really shouldn't have been put in that situation. Uh, well, there's a story that could be read on a DHL report uh, called Did Frustration Lead to McCarron's Two-Game Suspension? The website is report. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on Hans360. Well, Rick, it's that time of the show. We, we know that on Twitter. Uh, there's millions and millions of tweets being sent out, uh, I don't know, per minute, per hour. doesn't really matter. I think everybody gets my point. But sometimes there's uh, a bad one that slips in there, and I think you found one for this week. Yeah, you know, again, we don't really need mean to embarrass anyone, or, or maybe we do, I don't know. Uh, but this one is from Gray Malkin, too. Um, and he w- tweeted after last night's Predators game and said, great move, Subban on the ice for three goals last night. Um, 
I, I think uh, Subban got a power play goal last night and maybe ended the game minus two. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't care. Uh, but on the ice for three goals, the point is that you have one side just ready to jump on Subban. You have all the, um, the kind of wannabe analytics guys using their paint by number approach to, to criticize um, uh, doing these, numerical gymnastics as I as I described them to criticize Weber just let's 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 get over it uh the trade's done um if if Subban is is uh, a big entertainment draw in Nashville and and that's what they needed then great if Weber's providing solid defense and offense to the Canadians and is going to lead him to a cup that's great let's let's uh leave all the rest behind so there you go. So that is our bad tweets of uh, of the week. So I want to thank everybody who uh, who sent in their tweets. Half three sixty, the most informative, the most interactive podcast that you'll uh, that you'll find. And we saw it with all the tweets that you guys sent us in uh, for today's episode. Thank you very much as well to Douglas Gallivan, uh, sports anchor for CBC Montreal. Uh, weeknight evenings, so so be sure to uh, to watch him uh, delivering the sports. His Twitter handle is dgelevin. A programming note: next Saturday there will be no uh, Habs Three Six. We're gonna go on a hiatus for uh, for one week. In the NHL, they implemented a new bye week for the Canadians. It's in the month of February. We'll have 360. We're going to get a, a head start on it. Then we're going to take our hiatus uh, next week. But we'll be back on uh, November 5th. So, Rick, thank you very much. And, well, enjoy your uh, your extra week off. Yeah, oh, I'll be I'll, – some of us will still be, <laughs> be hard at work. Um, but thanks. Uh, it was a great show, as always. And I uh, look forward to the Bruins game tonight. Yeah, so there'll be plenty of action uh, from now until our, our next episode. You can stay covered by going to uh, allhabs.net for your Montreal Canadiens news. And if it's for a Montreal Canadiens podcast, there's also the Habs banter, who's part of the uh, All Habs family that you'll be able to uh, listen to while we're gone for one week. My name is Chris G. at Chris G1980. On behalf of Rick and Peter G, our musical director, and everybody who helped us put the show together. Great Thanks music, Peter. We'll talk in two weeks. <laughs> See ya. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.